welcome to another episode of the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Derek Neighbors. And I'm Clayton Langlickage. And this week uh, we've got uh, Clayton out in sunny Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Culture Conference. Uh, So Clayton, I wasn't able to make it and I'm really jealous. So tell me about all the awesome fun you had today um, at the Culture Conference. Yeah, so... um it's actually been a, it was a fun event today. We uh, it's kind of a mixed format. So the first part of it was um, some speakers, you know, kind of like normal tracks, like a regular conference. And then after lunch, when we came back, we um, had an open space, uh, which was nice. We were able to have a few uh, sessions there as well. Um, <clears throat> and you know, that's kind of the general format. the uh, The first few speakers, you know, there were, there were so uh, basically a whole lot of people from different backgrounds. I think some of the interesting thing is that now that the net is getting cast a little wider beyond just the agile or you know more of the process stuff, uh, and getting into this kind of you know, talking about cultures and organizational cultures and changing culture and all that kind of stuff, there are some people there who uh, who are not necessarily part of the agile community and don't have a software background or IT background. Uh, so it was pretty interesting to to see some of their perspectives and kind of their take on some things. So which one of your, uh, which one of the keynote speakers, for lack, lack of better terms, I'll call them keynotes, one of, which of the, the scheduled speakers uh, was your favorite speaker and what, what was their topic? Um, you know, the favorite one I had would probably be um, uh, Jim McCarthy. Uh, you know, just given the, the, the performance he gave, I guess I'd say it's more of a performance than a, a talk. You know, it certainly wasn't traditional talk. Um, there were, there's a interesting book I've got that describes kind of 10 different um, uh, ways for doing some public speaking. I think it's called um, Speak Like Churchill, Stand Like Lincoln, something to that effect. Um, and it goes over some certain you know techniques that you would do for addressing a crowd. Um, and I, I noticed right off the bat there were a few uh, things that Jim did, so I thought that was what was nice and showed some experience on his part, but you know he jumps into uh, his topic, which was basically about you know, hey, here's this, um, you know, we have this thing at the tip of our fingertips, and we're kind of controlling the future, and we can uh, make something of this. Uh, you know, it's something that's really special that we have, and if we choose to squander it, then you know that would be a terrible mistake. Um, so I think from like a motivational or like call to action perspective. Um, I think it was pretty inspiring. And also the fact that I think there were, you know, it wasn't half, I would say, but maybe 20% of the people in the room looked like they had no idea what was going on or they totally disagreed. Uh, I felt like that was kind of meaningful that uh, some people were fully taken aback and didn't really understand what was happening, uh, that, that it was a, a you know, provocative talk, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just knowing Jim, one of the things that's difficult, I think his call to action is so powerful um, and asks you to do so much more than, than where you are, even when you're already on the edge, that I can only imagine if you're you're not already close to the edge that it seems uh, so monumentally difficult or far-stretching that uh, it seems almost absurd. And that's certainly one of the things I, I love about uh, the, the way he speaks is you know he's looking a lot lot further than you know a year down the road well especially since when it when it comes down to one of the things he said was you know you can you can be the person who wants to be the giant or you can kind of have the mentality of you being okay with midgetry you know so it's <laughs> it's a really powerful thing and it sounds like you really have to go all crazy but then when he talks about you know what's good good's getting what you want you know and then it's like well that seems like a 
simple concept. Uh, so I think there's some people that seemed a little confused, like, this sounds like I should be really doing all these crazy things, but at the core of it, it sounds pretty simple, so I don't, I'm not sure what to make of it. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I saw kind of on the Twitter streams that uh, uh, Eric Raymond was there as well, and I know that a lot of what uh, Jim and Dan uh, kind of have talked about or I've talked about with them is uh, that they really see this as kind of being uh, culture hacking. And I think that uh, ESR is kind of uh, seen along with uh, RMS, uh, Richard Stallman, is one of the original uh, hacker ethos um, so to speak, on the hacker side, maybe not on the culture side, but on the hacker side. I was wondering, you know, what, what were some things that uh, maybe resonated or you didn't did or didn't agree with with uh, uh, what ESR had to say today? You know, the thing I thought that was interesting was, um, you know, as far as he's concerned, I certainly wasn't involved in that community when he was, um, and I was only tangentially involved, even at all. In that I, you know, enjoyed reading 2600 magazine and, you know, I listened to the, you know, 2600 radio and I went to a couple of meetups. And so I feel like I had in that uh, some understanding of that community uh, from the hacker mentality. There was a guy in the audience who asked a question about um, the anonymous group, you know, like Lulsec, and saying, what do you think about them? And, you know, he had to make the distinction that that's not you know, the same group. That's a different culture. That's a different group of people. Um, and so that gets me thinking that the, you know, while the word culture hacking or the phrase culture hacking might be um, meaningful to people in this community or meaningful to people that have some history in that community, uh, for anyone outside that doesn't understand that history, I think that's a very confusing term because it sounds more like we're going to come in and break your stuff. Um, I think that's maybe the conventional understanding of the word hacker so you know you're going to come in and disrupt my culture and break it which kind of sort of is true but um i think that might be a misleading phrase yeah absolutely i think when people think of hacking they think of uh like hack and slash like tearing things apart um which i think is very much part of the hacker ethos um but i don't think a whole lot of people think about tearing things apart so that they can make them better or circumvent uh you know something bad to make it better i think people just think of the disassembly part the negative side so right and, and he was um you know quick to point out that that you know the hacker ethos is about building things you know useful things and and making something uh which i think is an important distinction but i think that's probably lost on most people absolutely so uh, did you attend any of the um open space sessions and maybe tell me a little bit about like what what did you see did you see kind of any themes about topics or the topics that you did attend what what were things that kind of stood out for you in those um, you know, there was a lot of talk about the core protocols um, and software for your head, and I think that had some degree to do with the fact that uh, Jim and Michelle McCarthy were actually in attendance of the conference, although they didn't participate in those topics. Um, but uh, there was a lot of talk about that, and so I thought that was kind of interesting. There were a number of people who had either never heard of the core protocols or had only heard of them maybe at that conference or you know the week before kind of thing um there were a few people who were familiar with kind of some of the ideas but i was um i was kind of surprised there were a lot of people who maybe had adopted one or two protocols specifically check-in um and that was pretty much all they knew and they really hadn't looked more into it and i think they were you know, kind of uh, um, surprised at how helpful that one protocol could be. Um, so that was kind of a, a popular one. Um, 
other than that, you know, there were a lot of people who were talking about culture as like a competitive advantage or culture as some new thing. And, um, you know, now that we're all doing creative work and we're not working in factories, uh, culture is, you know, the most important thing now. Um, the one thing I think that was kind of missing was, uh, although there was one session that I did attend about kind of like, okay, we, if we acknowledge that we think culture is super important, how do we get there? I mean, how do we transform organizations? Um, so I think that might have been the part that was missing was there was a lot of acknowledgement that culture is very important, but not a whole lot of uh, talk about how do I get the right culture and how do I know if I'm a header behind the curve on culture and those kind of things. Yeah, so I mean, I definitely think that's interesting that there's, there's not a whole lot. Um, I think there's an awareness um, that culture may be important and that some of the issues are maybe deeper than what process can help. Um, but there's not a whole lot of talk or conversation, even, you know, in the Agile community um, that, that really addresses, you know, how do you identify what kind of culture you have? Where do you see your deficiencies? How do you move towards, you know, building stronger culture? What are the right types of cultures for what you're doing? Um, and, and I think there's a lot of just kind of like uh, people want to follow the the formula, right? And I think that that's like building culture, you just can't do that. And I think that there's, you know, well, you know, Steam has, you know, this handbook and it's a really great thing and we need to, you know, go do that or we just need to use that or Tony Shea's got this really great book, Delivering Happiness, and we need to just do that. The, the problem is that unless you're uh, Tony Shea in Tony Shea's environment doing the business that Zappos is in, that culture might not be the best fit for you. So um, it'll be interesting to see if there's any continued talk or discussion that starts to elevate about, um, you know, the variations of culture and, and, and what's kind of important and, and, and how do you move the bar forward. Right. Yeah, everyone is very quick to name the handful of companies that they have heard of that have good cultures. Um, so every single discussion, I think I heard about Morningstar and W.L. Gore and um, you know Zappos and whatever other handful of com- companies there are that have you know what quote unquote good culture is, and, and and so everyone's quick to acknowledge those and throw those out there, but. In- in terms of what that actually is or if that's, you know, if that's the right thing for now or the right thing just for that industry or um, how that's going to change or how do you even get there, uh, I think that's probably still missing like you mentioned. So who's the most interesting person you met today? The most interesting person? Um, I think it was, uh, I believe her last name is Gray. I think it was Vicki Gray. Um, she's someone that I've seen in the, um, the Facebook uh, booted um, group for discussing the core protocols, um, you know, I'd seen her pop up a lot, um, you know, doing a check-in and things like that. Um, and I had a chance to talk to her a little bit about kind of some more technical things about the protocols, um, but kind of got to hear her story about how she got into um, actually booting people and how she first came in to understand the core protocols. And um, it was nice to be able to talk to someone who had also been using them and, you know, obviously more than I have um, and kind of talk about the nuance of a few different things. So uh, I thought that was very interesting and especially useful for me personally, at least. Sounds like a good future guest. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I'm trying to think here. What What is the, how are you going to apply what you learned maybe today uh, when you when you get back into the real world, like what are what are some kind of takeaways that maybe some aha moments or insights uh, that that you had? Um, you know, one of the 
thoughts I had, I guess, kind of the prevailing thing. One of the things I guess I was suspicious about before I came to the conference, uh, and one of the things I think that was really reaffirmed, was the fact that I think it, there are more and more people acknowledging that culture is important, but um, no one it seems to understand how to get there or what it would take. Um, and so I think just having that kind of insight for me at least, um, you know, taking that back to my real work and being able to say, um, you know, what can I do to start uncovering the pieces to that puzzle? Uh, what can I start, you know, what are what are some maybe patterns or some observations that I can make in my, you know, daily daily kind of coaching environment and, um, to understand what influences certain parts of the organization or certain people have on on the culture, uh, which, you know, which parts of the culture are, you know, very ingrained or, or maybe um, hard to change and those kind of things that kind of help further answer that question of if you are going to make some culture change, what what's really required? Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, in a client doing some of this work now, and I, I think they're, they, they're, they understand that they've got some culture difficulties, and they're uh, working through them. But what, what I'm really finding is that, to me, there's no such thing as culture, right? In the sense of, there is no magic animal of culture, and you change culture. I think culture is just kind of the aggregate of the behavior of the people in a system. And so really the only way to change culture is for the people in the system to change. And because it's an aggregate, you have to have kind of a majority of the people in the organization actually change in order to see that manifest as a change in culture. And and I think that it's difficult because you need a small number of people to act as kind of catalysts or instigators or models or uh, disruptors to basically hack that culture and to, to get it to start to understand it needs to change, but it really takes the people to change. And so what I'm finding is that there's this, now that there's just this awareness that there's a problem and the problem is more of a system problem. But what I find people doing is defaulting to their normal pattern of behavior, right? So they, they acknowledge the problem, they understand this is big problem, but then they understand that they can't fix it themselves. And so then they very quickly start to default back into a pattern of, well, I'm just going to do what I've always done. And, I, you know, I, I think that that's uh, – I don't think we've got that hack done yet, right? Like I don't know what that hack is to, to basically get it to where people – we can accelerate that process for people. Yeah, I think that was the one, you know, your your comment about how it's the kind of, um, you know, culture of an organization is kind of the sum of all the people and, you know, various attributes of those people. Um, and I think – it's really easy to talk about how great culture is, and it's a really you know, great competitive advantage. Uh, but when it gets down to if you want to change the culture, and that means changing the people, then I feel like a lot of people are going to find that they're kind of back at square one. You know, they're trying to circumvent the hard work of having to you know change people, which is difficult, um, and it's just, it's not that simple. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things. I mean, if you start to say like, "Hey, our culture is X." and maybe you've got a bunch of people on the bus or on board at your company that are strongly opposed to x well the only way you're going to get your culture to actually change to x is to either convince those people um to get on board with that or to get those people off board and i i think that for sure i think that that starts to, to happen when you really to me i think that's when you start to see culture shift is when you start to see people get uncomfortable that are are kind of fighting against the culture and realizing that 
they might not fit where they're at. And I think that's usually when people default back. Well, you know, so and so is a really great person. We couldn't, we could never consider losing them. We, you know, we've got to placate and default back to whatever uh, behavior we currently have is just so that they're not upset. And then I think there's all this frustration. Well, we did that, but we can't move forward with culture. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I, you know, I, maybe we'll do another one of these uh, uh, later this week or next week and, and get a recap. I, I know uh, you and Jade are hopping on a bus, I hear, and heading to uh, Boston. So maybe we'll get the second half of this to hear how the bus trip in Boston went. Yeah, for sure. That would be a good idea. All right. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Thank you. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast, where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integramtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.